Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through the Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Morav Halacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Sherut Guidance Program for Religious Girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and mikvah, Karen's insights will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. There is so much to talk about in Parshat Noach, but I would like to focus on a somewhat less discussed part of the Parsha, on what happens to Noach after he emerges from the Teva. Noach and his sons experience a downward spiral. The first thing Noach does after leaving the ark is that he plants a vineyard and gets drunk. The story is included in the Torah for a reason, and perhaps it is to teach us something about the nature of addictions in our lives. When we think about addictions, we often think of alcohol or drugs. However, we now know there can also be addiction to technology and social media, a constant challenge in our lives. This week, following the Svar Torah, we have an interview with Dr. Brad Saltzman, a psychologist who specializes in addiction. So stay tuned to the end. In Breshi chapter 9, we read, Noach, Isha Adama, man of the earth, began to plant a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk, and he uncovered himself within his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japhet took a cloth, placed it against both their backs, and walking backward, they covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way, so they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke up from his wine and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves shall, be, shall he be to his brothers. Drunkenness leads to Noah's downfall. Wine and alcohol can be consumed in moderation in Judaism, and sometimes even for moments of Kiddushah, like Kiddush on Shabbat. Yet the Midrash in Breshit Rabbah highlights the Torah's language and interprets this Noah story to be a cautionary tale. The Midrash and Rashi take note of the unnecessary word Vayachel, and Noah began to plant a vineyard. Vayachel literally means he began, but it is also related to the word Chulin, things which are profane and not holy. This was the first opportunity to make a tikkun in the world, says the Midrash. Noah stepped out into the world after the flood and should have planted something positive and selfless like a tree. By planting a vineyard, his action was mechalel, debasing. He was of the earth, ish ha'adama, the material realm. He planted it only for his personal benefit, not for the sake of reviving the world. The Talmud comments on this story that nothing brings trouble to man more than wine. When one drinks alcohol in excess, it often leads to shame and suffering. And yet, it is hard not to have some sympathy for Noah. He has just been through a terrible ordeal, having watched the world be washed away. And now he must begin again. So much responsibility on his shoulders. As soon as he brought his family safely out of the Teva, he lost control. The Torah generally does not view complete rejection of wine as the ideal, but rather drinking in moderation and with positive purpose. In Bamidbar, when the Torah discusses the laws of the Nazir, who refrains from drinking wine altogether, it states that afterwards he must bring a sin offering. Some commentaries point out that this is to teach that shutting oneself off from alcohol or enjoyment completely is not the Torah ideal. The Ramban draws this parallel between Noah and the Nazir when he states, 
The Torah records the matter of Noach and the wine because it contains a warning more severe than the Parsha of the Nazarite. Even Noach, a perfect tzaddik, as he is called, whose righteousness saved the entire world, even he was led into sin by wine, leading to his shame and his children being cursed. The Torah allows for moderate drinking, but also raises awareness of the dangers of addiction, particularly at moments of weakness, and urges us to be mindful of this. One of the ways addictive behavior is expressing itself in our world today is through technology and social media. We see now more than ever, technology, when used positively and moderately, can be a great blessing. It can make us feel more connected to others during this period of social distancing. But we know that it also contains the potential for addictive behavior. The story of Noah and his vineyard reminds us to check in with ourselves and our children and evaluate our relationship with technology and social media. To get more practical on this important topic, let's hear from Dr. Brad Saltzman about the nature of addictions, in particular to smartphones and social media. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Eden Center, which works to improve the life of Jewish women and families. Do you know someone who would make a good chatan teacher? A husband, brother, friend who you think would like to help others begin their married life on the right foot? Encourage them to join our upcoming chatan teacher training course starting this coming Sunday, October 25th. Details at theedincenter.com backslash chatan, H-A-T-A-N. Dr. Brad Saltzman is an expert in the assessment and treatment of sexual addiction, pornography addiction, relationship problems, and intimacy disorders with over 20 years of experience. He is a graduate of Yale and Columbia Universities and was trained and certified in sexual addiction therapy. Brad founded the New York Sexual Addiction Center, and he has successfully helped thousands of men and women to overcome their addictions and reclaim their lives. Currently, Brad works with clients all over the world via Zoom. Welcome, Dr. Saltzman. Thanks so much for joining us for this Eden podcast, Building Ourselves Through the Parsha. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me, Karen. So for this week, I talk about the fact that when Noah leaves the Teva, he comes out and he, built, he plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. Using this as a springboard, I want to ask you um, in general about the nature of addiction and specifically about one of the challenges of our times, addiction to technology and social media. First, would you please briefly define addiction for us? And I want to ask you, would you put addiction to technology in the same category as other addictions, for instance, to alcohol or drugs? Okay. Okay. Well, I think those are both really good questions. Um, So... First of all, how do you define an addiction? Well, uh, an addiction is basically a chronic progressive brain disease uh, that tends to get worse over time if it's untreated. Um, And as we all know, people get addicted to alcohol and drug, but also to other things besides substances. People can get addicted to exercising. People can get addicted to uh, working. Um, People can get addicted to gambling. And people can also get addicted to uh, sexual acting out, um, sexual behaviors. Um, as far as your other question, um, if addiction to technology, the second question was, is addiction to technology as bad as yeah, other ones? Same category as, as those. Um, I, well, it's, it's definitely in the same category because um, a, one of the hallmarks of addiction is a behavior that you want to stop and you can't, or 
um, a behavior that is causing problems in your life, and yet you still continue to do it. And if you look at technology and smartphones, let's say, there's no question that smartphone use is absolutely causing a lot of damage, both for individuals and also for our relationships and also for our society as a whole. It's getting, uh, it's making it hard for us to focus. It's making it hard for us to get our work done. It's uh, distracting us and, and creating barriers between uh, ourselves and our, our spouses and our children and our friends. We're much more disconnected. And as a society, I think, um, you know, we're, we're just a very, we're much more disconnected and cut off. So I, I, and I think that people realize it, but it's still, people can't stop. People can't stop using their smartphone. Um, I think, you know, people would sooner give up a lot of things before they give up their smartphone. Yes, definitely. I can say that uh, just one time I had to give my phone in to get fixed for a few hours. And just that feeling of where's my phone was very, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like leaving the house without your pants. You know, it's, it's you feel like half a person. <laughs> so my next question, uh, as I did lead into this is perhaps you've seen or heard about the recent Netflix movie, the social dilemma, which highlights the dangers of social media for teens who can really spiral downward quickly into depression um, and social isolation. Um, how worried are you about this for our children, our teens and our younger children? Yeah. And do you know what the statistics are about teen addiction to social media and, and in particular for religious Jews, where, where do we stand in this, in this picture? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I absolutely think that uh, social media use is of huge concern for everybody, um, and, and for teenagers probably the most, right? Because teenagers uh, and children, their brains are still developing. So there's, there has been a lot of research that shows the earlier a person gets exposed to an addictive substance, the more serious the addiction will be. So in other words, if someone starts smoking at a younger age, they're much more likely to have a much more serious addiction than someone who starts smoking later. And the same thing with social media. Um, so just to jump to the question of, uh, you know, about, you know, should we, should we be limiting the social media that our, our kids and our teenagers have? Absolutely. And the smartphone use, ab absolutely. We could talk a little bit more about that. For teen addiction to social media, is there? I, yeah. I don't have the statistics, but I'll tell you, um, I treat, in my practice, I specialize in um, internet addiction and sexual addiction um, and smartphone addiction, social media addiction. Um, and I generally speaking, I work with mostly adults, but I've, I do sometimes work with teens as well. And when I see the teenagers, they are in much worse shape, you know, when it comes to their smartphone and their technology use than adults. Just again, because, um, you know, if, if you give a device to one of your kids, they can figure it out much quicker than you and I can. And um, they just, again, the, the younger it is that you get into something, the more deeply you get into it. And I see that it, it definitely, it, it affects their ability to socialize with each other. Um, I think all these um, apps where you, all these dating apps where you swipe left and swipe right, I think people don't have courtship skills anymore, you know, or, or to a much lesser extent. People, because you don't need them. You don't need to actually be able to chat with someone. You don't need to be able to have a conversation. All you need to do is swipe left or swipe right. It's actually, it's causing tremendous damage, I think, to, to younger people. Wow. 
And so, um, and so then what do you believe a healthy use of social media looks like? I mean, if we, in my Bartar, I talk about two extremes, you know, complete rejection. So here, let's use the example of technology, complete rejection of technology versus um, overuse and what we'll call it addiction. What does that look like? What does the addiction look like in terms of hours per day? And where is the healthy middle ground? I'd love to hear some practical. Um, yeah, advice. yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think first of all, uh, it depends on the person. You know, some people will find themselves uh, getting completely sucked in, you know, and this is true with other addictions as well, right? Some people, they can drink alcohol occasionally and they, you know, but that's it. They can leave it alone, right? Other people, if they're drinking, they are drinking all the time, right? They're had every day before they go to sleep, they need, you know, uh, at least a few glasses of wine just to help them make it through the day, Right. Um, and it's similar with this, you know, some people just have a proclivity to it. I think that most of us do. And I think in that movie, The Social Dilemma, you mentioned, um, I know that uh, one of the original people of Facebook came out and or actually more than one. Uh, there was kind of actually a little bit of a, a little thing where a, a bunch of people were doing it. I remember they kind of people were coming out and sort of confessing that, yes, we actually purposely designed this to be addictive, very similar to the way that it came out that, you know, tobacco companies were actually using specifically designing cigarettes to be addictive, right? Which they had denied for many years. And then finally they had to admit that they actually engineered them so that people would get addicted. Um, this, uh, it, it's, it's very much the same thing with, with uh, social media. And um, I, I've read things that these big uh, social media titans, the people who started all these companies and run these companies won't even let their own kids use them. They won't even, you know, let, you know, or they're, or they're severely limit the amount of time that they, uh, that they are allowed to go online. As far as finding a balance, I, you know, I think that's a tough one. It's a tough one because if, if someone is addicted, there is really no healthy amount that you can do, right? I'm saying there's no such thing. I mean, if you take, let's say crack cocaine, which is considered to be, you know, the most addictive of any drug, right? Um, there is no such thing as sort of a healthy recreational use of crack. Right. You never heard of someone who smokes crack, you know, on the weekend or right. If you're smoking crack, you know, your life is I mean, you probably don't know anyone who smokes crack, you know, but uh, I, I hope not. But, um, you know, it, it just it takes over your whole life. Right. I, it, it, it may seem extreme to compare that to social media, but I think it's very similar. I mean, I, for years already, we've heard stories about young people and I'm sure it's, it's older people, too, who basically can't make it through Shabbos without checking their phones, right? And so they actually are, are Mikhala Shabbos because they need to, you know, check their feed, right? Um, I actually recently, you know, I, I just, I, I resisted some of these new social media, TikTok, I figured it's not for me, you know, it's just teenagers. I actually just a couple of days ago installed it on my phone and I totally see why it, it just, it's, it's completely addictive. So yes. as, as far as, um, uh, as far as if there's a healthy balance, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Again, like if you take something like heroin, uh, there is no such thing as, you know, an occasional heroin user. So I think that people have to really think very hard about what they're, what they're giving up, you know, um, by using social media, how it is interfering in their relationship. And as with every other addiction, the person who's addicted doesn't really see the damage that it's causing in their lives, right? Or they're really good at rationalizing, right? The person who gets arrested for running someone over, driving while drunk, you know, will swear off alcohol and say, I will never drink again. 
And very often, you know, within months, uh, certainly, or, or, you know, very often within years, they're drinking again, right? And it's like how, how you know, because they, it's, it, when you're the one who's addicted, you always have reasons why, oh, it's okay, just this time, it's okay, it's not a big deal, I'm not really addicted, I can stop whenever I want. Um, so it's important to have a discussion with people in your family, with your spouses, with your kids, um, and talk to them, hey, look, you know, I think um, you're using this too much, you know, or you should know that, it, you know, it seems that you're spending all your time on your phone, and you're not hanging out with your friend, or you should know that, um, you know, the kids want to talk to you, but they, they can't because you're on your phone all the time. So uh, it, it's a, I think it's a very difficult thing. And people have to um, be very honest with their, with themselves. And sometimes it takes something extreme for people to sort of wake up and be like, oh my gosh, I just, I need to get off this completely. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, um, it sounds like you're saying that on the one hand, it's highly addictive. I mean, it's interesting. I compared it more to alcohol, which was the example where you can enjoy in moderation, but you seem to be taking it. You're saying it has the potential to be addictive. Well, right. In, in the, uh, in the classic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, um, which is called the big book of, of AA, um, they talk about alcoholics as having like a certain allergy to alcohol, whereas Mm -hmm. People who get addicted to alcohol, they are, there's something different about them, almost like they have a different constitution that makes it impossible for them to drink like normal people, right? That regular people can take it or leave it. But if you're an alcoholic, you really can't. And once you have had it once, you basically open this Pandora's box and, you know, you, you are always at risk of, you know, if, if you get into alcoholism, you know, your life will be ruined. So it's, it's, Similar here, I think that in, in that, you know, we're all wired to want connection with other people, right? Um, and again, it's been specifically engineered in a way to really pull us in and suck us in and keep us there, right? If, if you look at the feed on any social media, it's, it's bottomless, right? You never reach the end of the information, right? And that's, that's on purpose. Because yeah. each time you can just keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's a, that's a, tough, a tough path to be on because there's, there's no end. Yes. So to end on a positive note, to end on a positive note, um, what would you say is um, a positive tip? Um, Would you, would you give an age? I mean, I know I, some of my kids, we were the last in elementary school to buy smartphones for my kids. And then, you know, we have many uh, restrictions, how much data they have out of the house and things like that. But we were completely in the minority. Um, and, um, and so at a certain point, if you're not on WhatsApp as a kid, that also affects your social life. And, you know, so, so maybe we'll, I'd love to hear if they're a particular age and then also if they're particular, um, screen time, we have screen time on the phones now, you know, what, what's a particular yeah. amount of time a day, which is reasonable to be on. Yeah. So, you know, I think it, I, I wish that there was sort of a magic number, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think there is either for the age or the screen time. Again, I, I would say, you know, do your best to keep to keep them away from it as long as possible. You know, I can imagine that, uh, you know, if every kid in the elementary school has WhatsApp and your kid doesn't, that's probably, you know, pretty embarrassing and pretty shameful for those yeah. kids. You know, it's, it's tough when there are trends that everyone is doing, right? And there's a sort of peer pressure to do things that are actually destructive and damaging, right? And, and especially when everyone's doing it, yeah. um, it's very hard for people to say, hey, what's wrong with that? You know, uh, I, as I, as you know, I, I treat sexual addiction. And so when I talk to some of my clients about masturbation, right, or, or looking at pornography, um, and they could be Orthodox, Jewish, not Jewish, whatever, 
that you'd say, well, yeah, but everyone looks at pornography, right? What is the big deal, right? One of the largest um, porn sites in the world advertises during the Super Bowl, right? I'm saying it's considered like, you know, acceptable, normal, right? It's not considered shameful like it was maybe even 10, 15 years ago, for sure, you know, before that. But um, so I, I would say, do your best, do your best. As far as um, terms of hours, definitely use apps, you know, that, that help you to limit the screen time. Yes. Your kids are going to want to be on it all the time. Um, and you have to set limits. And again, I think that it's okay for parents to be strict about this. In other words, they do need to have some time because they need to be able to uh, interact with their peers if all their peers are on, them, on there. But they don't need to be on there all day. They really don't. Um, and it's interesting because I was always uh, a little bit smug about this because I did not let my kids, you know, really online almost at all. And then, of course, with the pandemic and now everyone's at home all the time and now school is being conducted online yeah. and uh, right. And all the, and it's only the only way to connect with friends. Right. Yeah. To a large extent. So I've had to, you know, let that into my kids life. And, and I've seen myself after you know being very preachy about it and being very smug that you don't need to let your kids on devices at all. I see that the reality is for most of us right now, our kids do need to be on it to some extent. It doesn't mean they need to be on everything, right? They don't necessarily need to be on TikTok, even if all their friends are, right? WhatsApp is one thing, right? But TikTok is something else, you know, um, or, you know, or, or Instagram there, you know, and, and it's up to you to have that conversation together with your, with your partner, uh, with your husband and, you know, to decide, you know, what makes sense for our kids. And it could be different for each kid, but, um, but, you know, to, to have the discussion, to be, you know, intentional about it, um, because after all that is you know, we're not just here to be friends to our kids. We're here to be their parents, you know, and sometimes being their parent means not, not giving into everything they want, as you know, as we all know. Yes. Yes. Well, this was incredibly informative and it sounds like we even have so much more to talk about on other topics that you mentioned just touched on here. And so I look forward to talking again soon and thank you so, so much. Sure. My pleasure. Absolutely. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Adam Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.